part eleven master johannes wach section six from weird tales by e t a hoffman translated by j t bealby this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part eleven master johannes wacht section six once when he returned to vienna into the arms of his wife after having been summoned from paris to st petersburg on diplomatic business the count related to her that he had been attacked by a severe illness in a little town the name of which he had quite forgotten there he had seized the opportunity whilst recovering from his illness to draw up a will in her favour and deposit it with the court some miles farther on the road he must have been seized with a new and doubly virulent attack of his grave nervous complaint so that the name of the place where he had made his will and that of the court where he had deposited it had completely slipped his memory moreover he had lost the document of receipt from the court acknowledging the deposition of the testament as so often happens in similar cases the count postponed the making of a new will from day to day until he was overtaken by death then his relatives did not neglect to lay claim to all the property he left behind him so that the poor countess saw her too rich inheritance melted down to the insignificant sum represented by certain valuable presents she had received from the count and which his relatives could not deprive her of many different notifications bearing upon the features of the case were found amongst the count's papers but since such statements that a will was in existence could not take the place of the will itself they proved not to be of the slightest advantage to the countess she had consulted many learned lawyers about her unfortunate situation and had finally come to bamberg to have recourse to old eichheimer but he had directed her to young engelbrecht who being less busy and equipped with excellent intellectual acuteness and great love for his profession would perhaps be able to get a clue to the unfortunate will or furnish some other circumstantial proof of its actual existence the young advocate set to work by requesting permission of the competent authorities to submit the count's paper in the castle to another searching investigation he himself went thither along with the countess and in the presence of the officials of the court he found in a cupboard of nutwood that had hitherto escaped observation an old portfolio in which though they did not find the count's document of receipt relating to the deposition of the will they yet discovered a paper which could not fail to be of the utmost importance for the young advocate's purpose for this paper contained an accurate description of all the circumstances even the minutest details under which the count had made a will in favour of his wife and deposited it in the keeping of a court the count's diplomatic journey from paris to petersburg had brought him to Königsberg in prussia here he chanced to come across some east prussian noblemen whom he had previously met with whilst on a visit to italy in spite of the express rate at which the count was travelling he nevertheless suffered himself to be persuaded to make a short excursion into east prussia particularly as the big hunts had begun and the count was a passionate sportsman he named the towns velau allenburg friedland etc as places where he had been 
then he set out to go straight forwards directly to the russian frontier without returning to konigsberg in a little town whose wretched appearance the count could hardly find words to describe he was suddenly prostrated by a nervous disorder which for several days quite deprived him of consciousness fortunately there was a young and right clever doctor in the place who opposed a stout resistance to the disease so that the count not only recovered consciousness but also his health so far that after a few days he was in a position to continue his journey but his heart was oppressed with the fear that a second attack on the road might kill him and so plunge his wife in a condition of the most straitened poverty not a little to his astonishment he learned from the doctor that the place in spite of its small size and wretched appearance was the seat of a prussian provincial court and that he could there have his will registered with all due formality as soon as he could succeed in establishing his identity this however was a most formidable difficulty for who knew the count in this district but wonderful are the doings of accident just as the count got out of his carriage in front of the inn of the little town there stood in the doorway a grey-haired old invalid almost eighty years old who dwelt in a neighbouring village and earned a living by plaiting willow baskets and who only seldom came into the town in his youth he had served in the austrian army and for fifteen successive years had been groomed to the count's father at the first glance he remembered his master's son and he and his wife acted as fully legitimated vouchers of the count's identity and not to their detriment as may well be conceived the young advocate at once saw that all depended upon the locality and its exact correspondence with the count's statements if he wanted to glean further details and find a clue to the place where the count had been ill and made his testament he set off with the countess for east prussia there by examination of the post-books he was desirous of making out if possible the route of travel pursued by the count but after a good deal of wasted effort he only managed to discover that the count had taken post-horses from eylau to allenburg beyond allenburg every trace was lost nevertheless he satisfied himself that the count had certainly travelled through prussian lithuania and of this he was still further convinced on finding registered at tilsit that the count had arrived there and departed thence by extra post beyond this point again all traces were lost accordingly it seemed to the young advocate that they must seek for the solution of the difficulty in the short stretch of country between allenburg and tilsit quite dispirited and full of anxious care he arrived one rainy evening at the small country town of insterburg accompanied by the countess on entering the wretched apartments in the inn he became conscious that a strange kind of expectant feeling was taking possession of him he felt so like being at home in them as if he had even been there before or as if the place had been most accurately described to him the countess withdrew to her apartments the young advocate tossed restlessly on his bed when the morning sun shone in brightly through the window his eyes fell upon the paper in one corner of the room he noticed that a large patch of the blue colour with which the room was but lightly washed had fallen off 
showing the disagreeable glaring yellow that formed the ground colour and upon it he observed that all kinds of hideous faces in the new zealand style had been painted to serve as pleasing arabesques perfectly beside himself with joy and delight the young lawyer sprang out of his bed he was in the room in which count z had made the all-important will the description agreed to exactly there could not be any doubt about the matter but why now worry the reader with all the minor details of the things that now took place one after the other suffice it to say that instrburg was then as it still is the seat of a prussian superior tribunal at that time called an imperial court the young advocate at once waited upon the president with the countess by means of the papers which she had brought with her and which were drawn up in due authenticated form the countess established her own identity in the most satisfactory manner and the will was publicly declared to be perfectly genuine hence the countess who had left her own country in great distress and poverty now returned in the full possession of all the rights of which a hostile destiny had attempted to deprive her in nani's eyes the advocate appeared like a hero from heaven who had victoriously protected deserted innocence against the wickedness of the world Laberfink also poured out all his great admiration of the young lawyer's acuteness and energy in exaggerated encomiums master vach too praised jonathan's industry and this trait he emphasized and yet the boy had really done nothing but what it was his duty to do still he somehow fancied that things might have been managed in a much shorter way this event i regard said jonathan as a star of real good fortune which has risen upon the path of my career almost before i have started upon it the case has created a great deal of sensation all the hungarian magnates are excited about it my name has become known and what is a long way the best of all the countess was so liberal as to honour me with ten thousand brabant thalers during the course of the young advocate's narration the muscles of master vach's face began to move in a remarkable way till at last his countenance wore an expression of the greatest indignation what he at length shouted in a lion-like voice whilst his eyes flashed fire what did i not tell you you have made a sale of justice the countess in order to get her lawful inheritance out of the hands of her rascally relations has had to pay money to sacrifice to mammon foul foul be ashamed of yourself all the sensible protestations of the young advocate as well as of the rest of the persons who happened to be present were not of the slightest avail for a second it seemed as if their representations would gain a hearing when it was stated that no one had ever given a present with more willing pleasure than the countess had done on the sudden conclusion of her case and that as good Laborfink very well knew the young advocate had only himself to blame that his honorarium had not turned out to be more in amount as well as more on a level with the magnitude of the lady's gain nevertheless master vox stuck to his own opinion and they heard from him in his own obstinate fashion the familiar words so soon as you begin to talk about justice you and everybody else in the world ought to hold your tongues about money 
it is true he went on more calmly after a pause there are several circumstances connected with this history which might very well excuse you and yet at the same time lead you astray into base selfishness but have the kindness to hold your tongue about the countess and the will and the ten thousand dollars if you please i should indeed be fancying many a time that you didn't altogether belong to your place at my table there you are very hard very unjust towards me father said the young advocate his voice trembling with sadness nanny's tears flowed quietly Laborfink, like an experienced man of the world hastened to turn the conversation upon the new gildings at st gongolf's it may readily be conceived in what strained relations the members of vach's family now lived where was their unconstrained conversation their bright good spirits where was their cheerfulness a deadly vexation was slowly gnawing at vach's heart and it stood plainly written upon his countenance meanwhile they received not the least scrap of intelligence from sebastian engelbrecht and so the last feeble ray of hope the master wacht had seen glimmering appeared about to fade master wacht's foreman andreas by name was a plain honest faithful fellow who clung to his master with an affection that could not be matched anywhere master said he one morning as they were measuring beams together master i can't bear it any longer it breaks my heart to see you suffer so fräulein nanny poor herr jonathan quickly throwing away the measuring lines master vox stepped up to him and took him by the breast saying man if you are able to tear out of this heart the convictions as to what is true and right which have been engraven upon it by the eternal power in letters of fire then what you are thinking about may come to pass andreas who was not the man to enter upon a dispute with his master upon these sort of terms scratched himself behind his ear and replied with an embarrassed smirk then if a certain distinguished gentleman were to pay a morning visit to the workshop i suppose it would produce no particular effect master vach perceived in a moment that a storm was brewing against him and that it was in all probability being directed by count von kusel just as the clock struck nine nanny appeared in the workshop followed by old barbara with the breakfast the master was not well pleased to see his daughter since it was out of rule and he saw the programme of the concerted attack already peeping out nor was it long before the minor canon really made his appearance as smart and prim and proper as a pet doll close at his heels followed m picard laborfink decorator and gilder clad in all sorts of gay colours so that he looked not unlike a spring chafer vach pretended to be highly delighted with the visit the cause of which he at once insinuated to be that the minor canon very likely wanted to see his newest models the truth is master vach felt very shy at the possibility of having to listen to the canon's long-winded sermons which he would deliver himself of uselessly if he attempted to shake his vach's resolution with respect to nanny and jonathan accident came to his rescue 
for just as the canon the young lawyer and the varnisher were standing together and the first named was beginning to approach the most intimate relations of life in the most elegantly turned phrases fat huns shouted out wood here and big peter on the other side pushed the wood across to him so roughly that it caught the canon a violent blow on the shoulder and sent him reeling against monsieur picard he in his turn stumbled against the young advocate and in a trice the whole three had disappeared for just behind them was a huge piled-up heap of chips and sawdust and so on the unfortunates were buried under this heap so that all that could be seen of them were four black legs and two buff-coloured ones the latter were the gala stockings of herr picard laborfink decorator and gilder it couldn't possibly be helped the journeymen and apprentices burst out into a ringing peal of laughter notwithstanding that master vach bade them be still and look grave of them all the canon cut the worst figure since the sawdust had got into the folds of his robe and even into the elegant curls which adorned his head he fled as if upon the wings of the wind covered with shame and the young advocate hard after him monsieur picard laborfink was the only one who preserved his good humour and took the thing in merry part notwithstanding that it might be regarded as certain he would never be able to wear the buff-coloured stockings again since the sawdust had proved especially injurious to them and had quite destroyed the clock thus the storm which was to have been adventured against vach was baffled by a ridiculous incident but the dreamer did not dream what terrible things was to happen to him after the day was over end of part eleven section six recording by expatriate in bangor maine